Well, it's summer and we've been jumping around the Psalms, literally jumping around. Psalm 1, Psalm 16, uh, Psalm 130, and today we're going to look at Psalm 8. Psalm 8, so if you would turn in your Bibles to Psalm 8, a well-known psalm, one that I don't believe I've heard anyone preach on yet. I may be wrong, in so many years it seems unlikely. Uh, Psalm 8. Let's read that whole psalm together. We'll spend, uh, so far, two Lord's Days uh, on this psalm. Psalm 8. Hear now the word of God again. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babies and infants, you've established strength because of your foes and to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him? Yet you made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. What a wonderful psalm. And the psalmist in the psalm speaks in the first person here in Psalm 8. And this is a solemn psalm, a meditation on the glory and the greatness of God. The psalmist is humbled as he considers the transcendent excellencies of God's name. And then in contrast to his own insignificance and smallness before the majesty of God. Whom he has the honor of owning as his Lord. O Lord, our Lord. And this psalm opens as he bursts forth in praise, in acknowledgement of God's greatness, as seen here on the earth below and in the heavens above. And we'll see in our short study how he sets out to prove the case as is seen in God's revelation and dealings with man. And then he exclaims again at the end, as a confirmation of his meditation, yes, Lord, I've seen it, you've proved it in these ways, ascribing to God the greatness then due to his name. He concludes with the same words, O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. What a wonderful meditation this is. And though a private meditation of the psalmist, what an appropriate psalm to be read and sung and meditated upon in the public worship of God and here in his house. And when we sing a hymn and we hear the scriptures, would our hearts not cry, O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And as we come to this study, let's consider the psalmist's proof that God's name is excellent in all the earth as he gives us instances of God's goodness to man. For God's goodness is one of the ways in which we see his glory and majesty revealed to us. This week we just have 
I, I, I really haven't been looking at Pastor Sam's notes, but whenever he has three points, I seem to have four. When he has four points, I have four, and today I have two points. Sam, what's going on here? We just have two main points today with three short applications at the end. And it comes right out of the psalm. And I want us just to make this the meditation of our heart as we consider what the psalmist was thinking about and what it led him to to exclaim with praise. So number one, the scope of God's glory. He considers the scope of God's glory. Verse 1 and 2. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. It's in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. We see it in the heavens and also above, above the heavens, in the heavenly realms where you are. And then, out of the mouth of children and babes, mouth of babies and infants, this translation says, you have established strength because of your foes, your enemies, to steal the enemy and the avenger, and those who hate God, and those who refuse to believe in God. And do you see where the psalmist is? He's overwhelmed. And perhaps, I don't know at what point in David's life he wrote this psalm. Perhaps he was on the hillside. I don't know. Looking up at the stars as his sheep were grazing, we don't know. But he's overwhelmed as he considers and exclaims, God as the Lord. In other words, the ruler, majesty, belongs to a king and greatness and splendor. And he is Lord. He calls God Lord. He is the Lord. He is the ruler of everything that I see here. All things are attributed to the Lord as creator and originator of all life. And he is Lord over all things. His creation on the earth below. The heavens above and the highest heaven. And while his glory revealed in the natural world proclaims his majesty, there is a glory in the more, a more brilliant glory above the heavens, beyond where we can see. And his glory is here on earth and his glory is in the heavens. And then his glory is in the heavens above what we can even see. His glory is more brilliant above there in that place where God dwells in unapproachable light and where all the heavenly beings which he also created bow down and worship him perfectly unlike us here on earth and constantly proclaim his majestic greatness and holiness in the splendor of his glorious presence. But the psalmist thinks of that. The psalmist thinks of that. But what he can see right here on earth. Oh Lord, our Lord, and the skies, and the stars, and the sun, and the moon. He just set them in place. It's the work of his fingers. It's the sweep of his hand. It's the words spoken from his mouth as creation comes into view. And this great God, the Lord, the psalmist boasts in a particular way, is our Lord. The one who is above the heavens. The one who dwells in inapproachable light. The one who we cannot look at and live in our present state. It is impossible we would die and the greatest of men could not do that. Lord of all his people who confess his holy name as those chosen and loved by him. And then in a way that the natural world 
All plants and trees and living creatures, sun, moon and stars, cannot know as we know. Even they proclaim his name perfectly and all nature sings his praise. And yet, in a peculiar way, it is man. It is man, the smallest of all, who in a peculiar way, not like the trees or the sun or the stars or the greatest things that is created, but man can say, O oh Lord, our Lord, you are my God, the ruler of all things, the creator of all things. He is my God. I, and, and I do not. Psalm 19 verse 1 tells us the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day by day they pour forth speech and night by night to reveal knowledge. There is no speech. There are no words whose voice is not heard. And yet their voice goes throughout all the earth and their words to the end of the world. And nature and the glorious majestic splendor of the heavens and the sun and the moon and the stars and the clouds that bring rain. And except for the noise of the thunder and except for the crying and the singing of the birds and the call of the animals, there is no, there is no voice. They have no words, yet they proclaim his handiwork. Yet their voices go out. All nature shouts his praise, yet only man can say, O Lord, our Lord. The smallest of the creatures, the most insignificant, the most wayward of the creatures that he ever made, fallen in sin and thought and word and deed, Corrupt in every way. Brothers and sisters, friends here today, this is the scope of God's glory and it leaves man without excuse for a knowledge that God exists and to praise and worship him who is Lord of all. For it is only man who can say, O Lord, O Lord, of all his creation." And here is a great wonder. Not just these great things in creation pour forth speech. That God's name is majestic in all the earth by the trees and what God has made and by the sun and the moon and the stars. And if you see the, the northern lights, if you have the privilege of seeing all of these things, these majestic things. It's not only those things, but the psalm as he comes says, even from the mouth of children and babes. From infants, God ordains praise and strength. Note verse 2. Out of the mouth of infants and babes, you have established strength because of your foes to steal the enemy and the avenger. From the cries of a baby, God brings forth the strength of his praise. The most helpless being on earth surely is a newborn child. That can only cry. I kind of thought of Moses in, in floating down the Nile River, a baby 
voluntarily orphaned in a basket, floating down the Nile, becoming the greatest prophet among men, displaying the mighty works and words of God. And it was this same child crying helpless out of the mouth of children and babes, God ordained strength and praise. It was this same child who grew to manhood and was used by God to stand before Pharaoh, let my people go, and to do great miracles and wonders by God's hand before the Hebrew enemy and commanded him to let the Hebrews go to still the enemy and the avenger. So the scope of God's glory is even from little children and infants and young men who pray in the church and sinful men like you and me, the weakest of men, sometimes uneducated men. God will display his strength and his praise. And you may recall the Lord Jesus on this earth refers to this text. Uh, not only to prove it, but to explain it to us. Uh, and the, what strength? What strength? The strength of his praise. Consider Matthew 21. Just listen to those words in verse 15 and 16. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. They said to him, do you hear what these are saying? These children, these infants, these whippersnappers running around the temple. And Jesus says to them, yes, have you never read? Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise. From the greatest of the heavens and the heavens above the heavens, God ordains praise. And from the mouth of children, the babes and the weak, God has prepared praise. And is this not also what is taught in the gospel? That God often chooses what is weak in the world to shame the strong. 1 Corinthians 1, 27. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise, to silence their mouths. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. And in 2 Corinthians, Paul expresses a similar truth. How God places the glorious gospel of Christ into the hands of earthen vessels for his own glory. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Even though God is great, he has chosen little children to praise him. He has ordained that the weak would silence the strength of his enemies. Listen to this quote, I'll quote, How brightly God's glory shines even on this earth. How excellent is his name in all the earth. His works of creation and providence proclaim to all the world that there is an infinite being the author of life and power and perfection, the sovereign ruler, powerful protector, the loving provider of all his creatures. How great, how illustrious, how magnificent is this name in all the earth. And the light of nature and providence shines for men everywhere to see so that men are without excuse from the dying the very existence of God and the glory of God. That's an argument Paul uses in Romans chapter 1, 
which you know so well. And if men shut their eyes to it, that is their fault, and they will still stand accountable to worship the one and true living God and for failing to worship the one and true living God. But the glory of God, as we know, looks even further because the glory of God is seen in what he has done and what he has created and his mighty acts that he has performed for men and his providence and his kindness and his protection to his people. It is seen in that, but it looks further. It looks to the gospel of Christ by which the name of God, formerly only known by Israel, has now been unveiled in divine revelation that the ends of the earth will see God's revelation and his salvation. Mark 16, and he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And so once again, God ordained through the foolishness of preaching to show forth his praise. Show the glory of his majestic name in the gospel through weak and sometimes uneducated men in the eyes of the world. Consider Acts 4.13. And when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. They were silenced. And they recognized that they have been with Jesus. Rough, uneducated fishermen who by the foolishness of their preaching would overthrow the devil's kingdom. Just as God overthrew through Joshua the walls of Jericho by the sound of a trumpet. By the ram's horns would bring those city walls crashing down. And so these simple, uneducated disciples preach through the foolishness of preaching and, pro and show forth the power of God unto salvation. Hosanna to the son of David, cry the children, and the enemy is stilled. And Matthew Henry says that sometimes the power of God brings to pass great things in the church by very weak, and unlikely instruments and confounds the noble and the wise and the mighty and the base and the weak and the foolish things of this world that no flesh may glory in his presence but the excellency of the power may the more evidently appear of God and not of man. God chose what is low and despised in the world even the things that are not to bring uh, the things that are bring forth the things that are this he does because of his enemies, those who hate God, those who refuse to bow the knee to God, that he may put them to silence, that he may put them to shame, and so be justly avenged on the avengers. And we see this happening in Acts 4 verse 14. We read, but seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. The glory of God in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Acts 6 and verse 10. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit in which he was speaking. They were silenced. The devil is a great enemy and avenger. 
by the preaching of the gospel, he was in a great measure still. His oracles were silenced. The advocates of his cause were confounded and unclean spirits themselves were not suffered to speak. That's Matthew Henry. Love the way he put that. The scope of God's glory. And this leads us to consider in the second and final place, and we won't spend that much time in the second one. Number two, the scope of God's care and revelation. The scope of God's care and revelation. The psalmist has first given us the first reason to consider that God's name is majestic in all the earth. The psalmist turns to consider God's goodness to mere man, just one of his many creatures. And in comparison, all his glory in creation and the universe, man appears to be the most insignificant, smallest, definitely the most problematic. Read with me verses 3 to 8. Listen to what the psalmist says and thinks in his meditation. When I look at the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you've set in place. <laughs> it is really what he's saying then this man. He says, what is man? Look at this. Look at the lights. Look at your greatness and your glory shining forth in nature. What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man, that you care for him? Yet you made him... This is not a, a demerit, this is a merit. Yet you made him just a little lower than the angels in heaven that sing his praise perfectly all the time. He took man and he raised him up to that level just a little lower than the angels in heaven be and crowned him with glory and honor. And then God gives him rule. You've given him Dominion of the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen, the beasts of the fields, the birds of the heavens, fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. And so David is perplexed. He doesn't understand it. Why? Just man? And David magnifies the majesty of God by recounting the honors that he has put upon man and prophetically, especially upon the man Jesus Christ, which we'll look at next week, Jesus Christ in the psalm. And David praises the condescension of God's divine grace as much as the majesty that is seen in the universe above the heavens. God's majestic glory above the heavens and in all creation is also seen in elevating man by his gracious condescension. And the, the psalmist is filled with thankfulness and praise and wonder as we should be as we meditate with him. And we can even think, look at my life. Look at my life before Christ. I scorned him. I hated him. I was born dead in my trespasses and sins. Every inclination of my heart was wicked all the time. The heart is desperately wicked, deceitful, above all, desperately sick. Who can even understand it? And yet God elevates his children just below the angels. And his glory is seen in that, especially in his creation. 
And Jesus' words draw attention to the scope of God's care for man revealed in the scriptures and we see it in the New Testament. Jesus said in Luke 12, consider the ravens, the birds, they neither sow nor reap, they have neither storehouse nor barn, yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? The crown of God's creation. Does Jesus know this? Because he is God and he is the word and the revelation of God. And he moved both Moses and David to write about this here. This majestic God who shows his kindness to mankind by giving him rule over all things. By making him a little lower than the angels. And Psalm 8 and Genesis 1 say so. That's why. That's why. God singled man out and raised him to just a little lower than the heavenly beings of all creation of man alone. It is said, let us make man in our image. You can say that to a tree, the magnificent sun that burns so brightly after our likeness. And these verses 5 to 8 of, of this Psalm 8 seem to be like a poem written as the psalmist has read in Genesis chapter 1, let me read that to you. It's, it's a long passage. Just listen. Then God said, let us make man. This is after creating everything magnificently that shouts his praise and shows his greatness and his majesty. And they let us make man in our own image after our likeness. Let him have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens, the livestock of the earth and every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, it's repeated, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens, over every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. And God says, behold, I've given you Every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and every bird of the heavens, to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food to you. And it was so. And God saw everything it had made. Behold, it was very good. There was evening and there was morning. And there's the sixth day. The psalmist reads this. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. By his care and his love for his people, God's glory is shown as greatly as it is with the sun and the moon and the stars and all creation. To which of his other creatures did God ever say, I have loved you? says the Lord. To which one? Of whom but the children of men did God pronounce and prove his love? For God so loved the world, not the trees, man, the world, that he gave his only son. And to which, which other creatures did God ever call his son? See what manner of love the Father has given to us that we might be called children of God, and so 
we are brothers and sisters, the scope of God's care and his redeeming love for his people revealed in the scriptures that he should concern himself in condescending love to those who have gone astray, to those who have rebelled against him. Consider these things. Consider the cross of Christ the most majestic display of God in the redeeming love of his son brothers and sisters here before us today is the most majestic display of god's handiwork in his son who gave his life as a ransom for many made us a little lower than the angels the scope of god's glory and the scope of god's care that's his meditation on this song And I just have three short lessons, applications, whatever you want to to call them, and they're very simple. Number one, it is our duty to worship God's majestic name. It is our duty to worship God's majestic name. God's goodness to man, especially in his son, is his majesty and should call us Cause us all to exclaim with praise, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And nothing in the heavens above on the earth beneath compares to the majesty of the glory of Jesus Christ on high, who is set at the Father's right hand, who has been given the name that is above every name. It is our duty to worship God's majestic name. Number two, it is our duty to consider the heavens. It is our duty to consider the heavens. We must always consider the heavens as God's heavens. Not only all the world is his, even the earth and the fullness of of thereof, but in a peculiar manner. The heavens, even the heavens above the heavens are the Lord. Psalm 115 verse 16, the heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he has given to the children of man. And the heavens and the heavens above the heavens are the place of the residence of his glory. And we are taught to call him our father because we are his sons. And even the sun and the lesser lights, the moon and the stars show the glory and the power of the father of lights, as James says, and give us a matter for praise. Consider the brilliance of having heaven, the heaven where God dwells, the dwelling place of God, and all the heavenly bodies, and the creatures of God's divine power that are subject to him. God ordained them also, and made them all our creatures. And we too are to consider this, and we are to worship his majestic name. And consider also that these that worship him perfectly in beauty and in holiness, how is it that he shows favor to sinful man? He's not going to be enriched by our praises. We're not going to make God better or wealthier or more popular by our praises. Yet he shows his favor to man's sinful creatures. Why would God even condescend to observe the things done on this earth? How great is the Father's love that we should be called children of God. Psalm 113, verse 5 and 6. Who is like the Lord our God, who is seated on high, who looks far down on the heavens and the earth. 
It is our duty to consider the heavens to cause us to humble ourselves and to live lives of obedience to him and worship for all God's condescending love and faithfulness to us. And we should consider worship his majestic name for the greatest display of his glory and majesty here in his son's body, blood given for us. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is all your name in all the earth. And this brings us third and final application. It is our duty to live as the crown of God's creation. It is our duty to live as the crown of God's creation. And unlike the ravens and the birds, this is more than caring and feeding for and clothing man, as he does with all nature. He clothes the field, he dresses the lilies, he feeds the ravens, but elevating man just a little bit lower than the heavenly beings, we enjoy God's careful providential care over all his chosen people. Despite being the last creature to praise and acknowledge him, even as nature does, his care for his people extends even to the loving act of giving his son, not a created being, but God, the eternal son made man to redeem us from our sin and then to sanctify us and to fit us for heaven as Christ's prize and glory in his work of redemption. This is the scope of God's care and the value that God has placed upon the sons of men, his church for the sake of his son and for his eternal glory. Oh, Job reminds us of the worthlessness of man, and yet God has done this. Job 25, my, how much less a man who's a maggot, the son of man who's a worm, yet God puts respect upon us and shows us loving kindness. And guess what? We're not elevated all the way yet. There's more to come. Man is further to be honored and exalted, further worth placed on him in the final resurrection. As we await the resurrection of our bodies, now but for a little while, we are just lower than the angels in our earthly bodies. But in our resurrection bodies, our status is improved and further elevated. We shall be equal to angels, sons of God, Brothers and sisters of the Lord Jesus Christ. Consider Jesus' words to those in the coming resurrection. Luke 20, 36. For they cannot die anymore because they are equal to angels and are sons of God. Being sons of the resurrection, we will no longer be lower than the angels. Brothers and sisters, the psalmist's final Summary of this meditation, O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is all your name, is your name in all the earth. What a wonderful psalm, what a good preparation for the Lord's Supper as we come to view the most majestic declaration and show of God's beautiful salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ and his Son.